This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. This is Five Live Sports. Tuffers and Vaughan's Cricket Show. So we've only a week to go in the World Cup and we're down to four. New Zealand against India and Australia versus England. Michael, do you think England will be happier that they've got Australia and not India? Oh, it's going to be a difficult game, but I guess if you had to pick one of the two, you would say Australia at Edgebaston, knowing that you don't have to play them at Lords. Um, obviously, if you get through, you're going to play India or New Zealand. I think they'll be quietly quite happy. Uh, Phil is continuing his week-on, week-off rotor at the moment as regards the show. Former England coach Paul Farbrace in his place. Do you think the England team will be relieved that they're, they're through after their last two performances or determined now to push on? I think determined to push on. Two great last performances and really excited for this next game. Uh, we'll ask whether anybody will be able to win a match batting second at this tournament. We'll hear from Joe Root. We'll also talk to Ebony Rainford-Brent about where England's women have gone wrong so far in the Ashes. Tuffers and Vaughan's Cricket Show on Five Live. Just expand a little bit then, Michael, first of all, on, on why England will be happier with Australia than India. Well, there's a few reasons. I mean, Edgbaston's a great ground for England, so I don't think um, they'd have feared too much of India. I mean, India are a fantastic team, but the way that England played in those last two games and the must-win games, they've won two um, games that they knew they had to win to get through, so I think that, that bowls well for mentality. But Edgbaston has always been a, a really good ground. They beat India there a week last Sunday. Um, the atmosphere, I hope, I mean, I, I believe a lot of the tickets were taken from the Indians uh, fans because they thought India were going to play that. Let's just hope that they've been given back and the ground will be full of English support and a little bit of Australian. You want a little bit of support for the, the opposing team as well. But, you know, I just look at left arm seam bowlers and, and I, I look at Lords in particular. And whoever you play at Lords, you know, if you look at Pakistan, what they've done in this World Cup, playing at Lords, they've won two on the trot, they've got three left arm quicks. Australia have won two at Lords with two left-arm quicks. Because of the slope, it can sometimes be a real advantage to have left-armers. So to think that you're playing Australia at a ground where I don't think it plays a bigger part, it's flat. You know, we get a similar wicket to what we had against uh, India. I think it will be a 330-340 kind of score. Clearly winning the toss has been a, a big advantage. But, you know, I do think teams can win chasing. You know, I don't think it's a, a win-toss, win the game. I think it gives you a slight advantage because of the pressure. Um, and England will be happy. They battered Australia there a couple of years ago in the Champions Trophy. You know, and I just feel that when you arrive at a ground as an England team, the, one of the, the I'd say Trent Bridge, Edge Batten, one of the two grounds that you kind of always arrive and feel very, very comfortable as an England player. So England will be delighted to be playing at Edge Batten. Then they'll have to play well because Australia is strong. Um, but I just think they've got the right venue. And out of the, the two that they could have played, I think, I mean, they're not going to admit it, but I think they'll be quietly quite happy to play Australia. For, from your time within the camp as well then, Paul, do you, do you think venue, and maybe you will say this with your edge bastard hat on as well, but do you think <laughs> venue is as important as opponent at this stage? Australia haven't won a game at edge Baston across any format since 2001. Yeah, I, I think um, the England team would be very happy to be in the semi-final. I mean, that, that's obviously your first goal is to qualify and get through to that semi-final. And, and yes, 
probably Edgebaston, um, you know, would be the preferred favourite. But you know, Old Trafford has been a good home for the England team as well. And both, you know, you're made to feel very welcome, very much at home. But I think Edgebaston, the football pitch on the practice ground, just tips it for these lads. They love their football, so <laughs> freshly marked out football pitch for them by the Nets. Um, they get quite excited about, and I think they'll be very much looking forward to uh, to playing at Edgebaston. It has been a, a fortress for them over the last few years. England have won their last four games there, so there's a lot of things in their favour. But at the moment, they won't be thinking about that. They'll just be excited, looking forward to the game. So, so do you think Australia will be psychologically affected by Edgebaston? Well, I hope so. I hope they're really traumatised by the fact they're coming to Edgebaston. I, I, I hope for the moment they get off their bus. It's a, it's a traumatic day for them. But no, look, I, I don't think they will. Like, look, they, they've played good cricket. They played really well through this tournament. And they're one of the teams that have just got better and better as the tournament's gone on. But I agree with Michael. I think the fact that England are playing them at Edgebaston, I think the England team will be a lot happier with them playing them at Lords. Um, and I, I, look, I think both teams you know, have really played good cricket um, to get to this stage. England in particular, the last two games, I think have been outstanding. The thing I've enjoyed the most is they've been really on the front foot. They played a very exciting game of cricket in those last two. They're a bit hesitant in the previous two. I think they played much better the last ones. Chappers, let me tell you, the psychologists of both teams will be working overtime to get the mentality right. And today I saw the Australians at Edgebaston they're all on the outfield with their shoes and socks off, walking barefoot around the outfield. The psychologist has done his overtime into thinking that walking around the outfield, touching the grass, feeling the grass with your feet, then getting them in a huddle, talking about what's going to happen on Thursday before it's even arrived. You know, there'll be so much talk over the, the next few days. I mean, I saw a headline in the paper saying Stark had said that Owen Morgan is scared. I saw the quote. nothing like it, what he said. <laughs> but that's what we're going to get over the course of the next three days. There's going to be big headlines. One little misquote is going to be escalated into a big one. Um, you know, you, you've got two sets of players that have got the mentality. You know, they're good players, they're two good teams. Um, it will just come down for those little one percenters. It'll come down to maybe the toss. It might come down to a flying catch, a, a run out, um, one bowling spell, one period of 10 overs of best or Jason Roy and Aaron Finch. That's what these semifinals come down to. And, you know, the fact that England have won two must-win games on the trot uh, must stand them in good stead, that they know they can cope with that kind of pressure. But they'll also know that Australia gave them a good hiding just a week or so ago at Lords. Australia, they're going to go through, uh, I guess, a few days of knowing what the best team is, trying to come up with a formation because they've got injuries. I actually think that the injuries have almost come at a good time for Australia. And that sounds bizarre, but I think Mitchell Marshall had a little bit more than Stoinis. You know, mm. I think Stoinis has been struggling anyway. The one player that, you know, Kawaji's been... He's been their glue, but to me, Kawadra is a player that he plays well on a 270 to 290 pitch when you have to play a little bit the old school way. If Edge Baston, like I think it will be, will be a 320-340 pitch, I'm not too sure where, where Kawadra sits in the batting lineup. So Smith to three, and maybe someone like Matthew Wade will come into Australia's uh, team. Who's well, been... Michael Clark was delighted that Matthew, I mean, I saw a tweet from Michael Clark that Matthew Wade was, was, was the one who was called up here. Now, I suppose he's going to say that, isn't he? Because he, he's obviously cheerleading and wants Australia to do well. But he seemed to be coming from your point of view too, that that, well, is, an a, aggressive that is a chapters. benefit. Yeah, he's an aggressive. He's got 200s on the A-Tour in, in the 50-over format, smashed it at a, a strike rate of 140-plus. Um, and I do think Australia, if, if they do bring Wade in and they've got Mitchell Marsh as well, it almost has more power to that batting line. And then Smith goes to three, where I think he's at his best. Um, you could argue that Australia will end up with a better formation, a better lineup on Thursday. 
Um, and they'll certainly have more power to go and get that 3.30 to 3.40 score if it's requiring on the day. But there's a bit of weather around. You don't know. It might be a 2.72.90 pitch in the end because of the conditions. But I do think Australia might have stumbled across more power with a couple of injuries. And also, Paul, it, it kind of refreshes them a little bit, doesn't it? Bringing, bringing these couple in on the back of the, the two injuries just gives them an extra pep. It definitely does. Yeah, I think any player, when they come into a side like that, particularly if they've been in good form and Wade's been in good form. So I think if anybody comes into the side, they will add that little bit of extra edge. They'll have a point to prove as well. Um, and they do give a freshness to the team. But uh, just going back to Michael's point, I hope that, you know, one or two are stirred up and there are one or two. I mean, it's a it's an exciting week for the players, isn't it? Build up to a semi-final and hopefully a final at the end of it. And I, uh, I hope one or two have been stirred up. And it's obviously worked for one or two in the last couple of weeks. And I hope that continues for the next week at least uh, well we'll come on to that <laughs> we'll come on to how we stir them up because Michael has a plan uh, in a while <laughs> excellent I'm but, pleased to but, hear it but from, from how you look at it you know you go alright well England have got the momentum haven't they? they've won those last two they're on the roll whether you believe momentum is a thing or not in sport I know some people don't and then you look at it and go okay well Australia tank- thrashed England at Lords, and yet Australia were undone by South Africa at Old Trafford on Saturday. It was a cracking game at Old Trafford on Saturday. So they're coming into off a bit of a wobble. You, you can see the mind games either way. That's the great thing, isn't it, about um, this game and, you know, coaches and captains, you know, we, we all look for positive spins and, you know, you lose the last game, you say, oh, you're looking for a reaction. You win the last game, it's all about momentum building towards the next game. We, we, we all talk a lot of nonsense when it comes to it, <laughs> if we're really honest. Well, we do, because, you know, you're looking to find ways it's a, to... It's a good job we do, Paul, otherwise some of us wouldn't have jobs, <laughs> you know? Well, well, some of us have got away with it for a long time, I can assure you. But, you know, it, it, it is very much about finding things that you know that your players will tap into. You know, Mikey will say as a captain, you know, he he would have, you know, bluffed certain players and told them they were looking fantastic just to get a performance out of them. You know, coaches do exactly the same. You put your arm around them, tell them how well they're playing. You tell them your position is struggling. You tell them how well you've done against the opposition in the past. England will be talking about, I guarantee, they will be talking about the last time they played the uh, Champions Trophy game at uh, Edgebaston and hammered them, having been nine for three. And then Owen Morgan runs down the wicket and smashes his first ball for four. England are off and running and win a game fantastically well. So there'll be lots of things you'll be looking for. You'll be reminding players over the next two or three days about exactly the, the positive side of things. You're trying to get a good reaction, calm people down. That's the other part. You're trying to calm people down. At the same time, you're trying to get them whipped up and, and excited for the game. It's a, it's a delicate balance. Yeah, I mean, Chaps, I'm not one for momentum in between games. I think you get your momentum, you know, when you start the game. You know, you can talk, as Fabi said, I've been a captain and talked absolute garbage leading into a game. Talking about the last game when we've been hammered, oh, you know, mm. like Spires or been winning games at Criggy. You think, oh, yeah, the momentum's with it. It's all nonsense until the game starts. It all is, for me, in a big semi-final is the start. You know, whoever can grab the first 10 overs. You know, whoever can grab that first 10 over and say it's ours, you feel that that's the momentum towards that team. And that's, you know, all the talk of the next three days will be the start because that's the, the only thing that matters is how you come out of the blocks. You know, and then you look after the next 10 overs. You get together and say, right, that's 10 overs done. Let's go for the next 10 overs and see where we're at. We set our plan or set our kind of goals and we go again. And, and whether you've got the ball in hand, you've got the bat in hand, you know, that's what the, the teams will do over the, the course of the next uh, two or three days. It's going to be great listening and, and, and reading because there'll be all sorts written and said and, 
you know, there'll be big, big headlines, which is great. The one thing that I'll say, cricket has now been talked about. Wherever I go this last few days, Chappers, I know we've had that period when it rained mm. and oh, this World Cup's not quite grabbed the attention and the, the football women's World Cup was grabbing all the, the kind of numbers on television. It was, but over the last few days, in particular last week or so, wherever I, I know I'm in the game, Chappers, but everyone has talked about cricket and there's been people coming up to me saying, you know, we've not really been into cricket. God, this is good, isn't it? The World Cup. And they've mm. been great. The, the fans, the, the, the stadium's been full with so much multicultural um, personalities and the vision through the TV screens, the listen on the radio. I really do think this World Cup has been fantastic. Whatever happens over the course of the next week, you know, failure for me for England is, is not winning it. You know, I think that's the position they've got themselves in. They're such a good team. They were the number one team, favourites to win the tournament. They have to go on and win it. And that is the mentality that Owen Morgan, I'm sure, will be taking over the next few days, saying to the players, yep, yeah, read the situation, make sure that you play fearless cricket. But, you know, this is about winning. It's about winning two games of cricket. And England, over the course of the last four years, have managed to beat everyone in all conditions. Can they now do it under the utmost, utmost pressure? Let's hear from a member of the England camp. Only three of them actually trained today, Owen Morgan, Joss Butler and Joe Root. And it was Root who spoke to Jonathan Agnew. It's an optional practice for the group, so there's a few of us come in um, just with the opportunity to get bit of extra stuff done and, and make sure we feel absolutely ready to go ahead of what's a, a great opportunity on Thursday. Yeah, I'm a bit of tingling, aren't you, all of you? Yeah, um, I think there's a, an element of relief in uh, at the end of the last result and um, now we're just you know, two good performances away from something potentially really special and um, we've worked extremely hard, we've played in some high pressure games coming into this point especially in the latter stages of the group so feeling a good place actually and um, very much excited for, for the rest of the week yeah did South Africa do you a favour I mean at least beating Australia they were on that very good run of five wins weren't they yeah I mean they played some good cricket throughout the whole tournament to be honest um, you know it's, I think this is a fixture everyone really wanted to be fair um, and more than anything we, we didn't really mind who we played um, coming into this game um, well I personally didn't either and to get the opportunity to play here we, we all enjoy playing here we've done some, some special things on this ground so you know, hopefully we can we can continue that great form here yeah. I was interested in what Faf de Plessis said at the end of the game um, he was asked I think you know, who he thought would win the, the World Cup and he said well he said you know India and Australia are used to playing and winning those big games he said, whereas England aren't I, I guess in a way it's true isn't it in World Cups, yeah, um, I think that's fair. In World Cups, you know, it's been a long time so we, since we've got to this this stage uh, in the 50-over format. I think a lot of the guys will take draw experience from the 2020 World Cup. There's a big crossover from um, everyone that was in that final and, and in in that squad throughout that competition. And I think what holds us in really good stead is is those last two games were pretty much must-win yeah. games and feel like we've been playing under that um, knockout intensity throughout for, for a period now so you know I, all, all it comes down to is you know us continuing to to play in the manner we have in those last two games and if we do that we'll be a very hard side to beat yeah just last thought I mean you'll be captain of England again shortly as of next week yeah. <laughs> are you even daring to think of the ashes I mean here we are it's the first day coming up soon yeah we've, we've done quite a lot of planning and preparation uh, behind the scenes it's, it's very hard to to do too much physical stuff when you've got such a major commitment like a World Cup and so many guys involved in that but I think the guys have worked very well behind the scenes making sure everyone that's not currently involved in um, in this squad is, uh, are getting prepared and getting everything they need to to be absolutely ready um, 
and you know there's been some good conversations about it when time's allowed. A few guys have done some some red ball work in pockets throughout this tournament. So uh, yeah, as 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 much as you can, I think it'd be wrong to to steer focus away from this. I think this has to be obviously the main priority for. Um, as long as we're in the competition and, and hopefully till Sunday uh, and then we can really throw ourselves into the ashes but you know, what an opportunity we've got ahead of us um, yeah. week of, of wide ball cricket where hopefully we can do something very special and then back that up in, in the Red Bull stuff as well uh, Joe Root talking to Jonathan Agnew you'll have to forgive Jonathan he hasn't worked in radio very long so he's still struggling to work out how to get a good quality uh, interview <laughs> sounds like they're both in astronaut was, helmets did that where was, it, where was that doing the toilet <laughs> <laughs> that sounded awful. <laughs> Anyhow, you could still make out the points that Joe Reed was saying. So, so I know you're. I could you're just envisage Joe Chavez there. He's just having a you know toilet break and his aggers <laughs> next to him. You can just see it, can't you? <laughs> All right, if we do this now, Joe. Yeah, no problem. Three minutes. Just wash my hands. <laughs> um, I, I know you don't. You, you don't believe in the momentum between matches, but you must take Root's point that actually against India and New Zealand, they have. To, to all intents and purposes, been playing knockout cricket. Yeah, and they play great. You know, winning the toss, getting the score on the board. I mean, Jason Roy, um, he, he just brings, you know, the, the, the swagger and that kind of arrogance, ego, whatever you may call it. He's got belief in his own ability. And I think when you see a player like that, it's a little bit like when Matthew Hayden used to walk out for Australia with that strong body language, big big guy that he was, he'd, he'd take guard. And straight away, you're in the field going, oh, no. You just knew from the way that he was, his stance, everything about his game that he was coming at you. And what England have when you've got Jason Roy and Johnny Best, you've got two of them. Two of them that are just staring at the ball to hit it. And you speak to any bowlers, they like to bowl to players, particularly in this era of white ball cricket, they like to bowl to players that they don't think they're going to get damage with. They feel that if they bowl good balls, they might get a dot ball of two. You know, when you bowl to these two, I think you're running up to bowl going, oh no, you know, if if you're slightly offline, you're going to dispatch. If you bowl a good ball you're as likely to go as well. You've got a sniff of getting a wicket or two because they play quite risky, but that mindset changed from the England side by having Jason Roy just strolling out with Johnny Bairstow. Straight away at Edgebast against India, we were up in the commentary box and we we saw them walk out and we went, oh, you almost breathed a sigh of relief that that mentality was back. Uh, and with the ball in hand, I, I think they've just been clever. You know, I think they've been clever with the change-ups. I mean, Liam Plunkett's come in, um, gone with the one spinner. And it's worked, you know, it's worked because he he almost, he bowls at 80 odd miles an hour, 85, 87 at times, but he's almost working as a spinner in those middle overs because he bowls that many change-ups and he's hit, difficult to hit. If it's one big side, he gets them hitting towards the big side, so he's smart and clever. I mean, I have to say, Chris Wokes just sneaks under the radar all, all the time because of the pace of Archer and Mark. Well, we all talk about pace because I guess it's a bit more exciting, but Chris Wokes is the postman. He just delivers. He just arrives and just nibbles it on and around that off stump, gets an early wicket, brilliant in the outfield, good with the bat, dead calm and, and consistent with his mentality. So as much as we talk Jason Roy's swagger, Liam Plunkett, I, I just like characters like Chris Wokes because they just offer that constant. They're the same every single day and you need those different characters in your team. It's, and, and it's not a comment on anybody else who has played for, for England, either in, in this tournament or before, Paul, but you, you must have seen... Uh, both inside the camp and outside the camp, the, the the feeling that all is well with the world when those two walk out amongst the other players, as well as fans. 
Absolutely. Well, I think Stride Out is the yeah, uh, yeah. you know is the thing. I, I was at Edgebaston for the uh, the game um, against India. I, I thought when, when they came out, I mean, I was just hoping you know forty for none. Come on, just settle the nerves, mm. settle the changing room down. Forty for none, a- and very soon it was hundred and forty for none. I was sitting back in my chair, thoroughly enjoying it, and forgetting that it was such a big game. It was a must-win game, but. You know, Michael's absolutely right. I, I think Jason Roy just brings so much. And I've said many times, I think he epitomises the journey that this England team have been on. I think he, he's changed his way of playing. He's got smarter. Um, you know, he's matured as a player, matured as a bloke over the last four years. And from a bloke who used to just try and smash every ball from four or six, you know, he is... I think far more selective. He thinks about his game a lot more now. And as I say, I think he sums England team up. But it's brilliant to have the pair of them at the top of the order. It really is. Has he grown into that presence? I think he has. I mean, I think he's always been a very confident person. I think he's always had a huge belief in himself and huge belief in his ability. But I think the more that you do at international level, it's the same, you know, whatever level you move up to, you have to convince yourself you can play at that level. It's all very well coaches and other people telling you that you're a great player and you can play at this level, you belong at this level. You need to do it yourself and experience it yourself. And when you do that, that's when you grow in confidence. And I think we've seen... Jason really growing confidence and, and we've also seen him be able to change his way of playing in different conditions you know in, in Sri Lanka I thought was a fantastic example of that in the one day series before Christmas he, he worked out that he needed to make a, a, a subtle change to his game he did it himself without being having to go to coaches to get help he did it himself he worked it out himself and, and that for me is a great sign when a player is really understanding his game um, that they can do those things without needing any help. Fabi, he'll be in for the, the Ashes, you would say, wouldn't you? I would think so. I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's a bit like Joss Butler coming into the, the back into the test side. You know, I think Ed Smith's right. If you can play international cricket and cope with it and show that you can score runs or take wickets in that environment, then I don't think it matters what colour the ball is. And I think, you know, as you've just been saying, you know, the way his, his body language, you know, you, you'd love to see him, you know, either opening or batting three in the ashes and giving England that real boost of confidence at the top of the order. I, I think it'd be a, a great selection. But yeah, that, as, that, but that also, as we've discussed before, a little bit, is a boost gives a boost in confidence to the spectators as well, and and you will both be aware of the atmosphere and the feeling around a ground when you have somebody that the supporters are confident in. That changes the atmosphere. Yeah, I oh, mean, definitely. I'd have him at number three. I think I'd have him walking in first wicket down. And what we have to understand, if England do go with him, he will make mistakes. You know, he's that kind of player. He's likely to have a big drive early. It might go to second, third or fourth slip. But I, I just think that if we stay consistent with him and give him an opportunity to play a number of games, I think he'll find his way. So you would open with who then? Burns? Well, I, I, yeah, Rory Burns, I think you continue with. And you know, I'm looking, I mean, Fabi can tell us a lot more because he, he's, he's around one of the players that's been mentioned, just been picked in the A side, Dominic Sibley or Zach Crawley. Maybe he'll throw in a, a player that's not played uh, international cricket before. Um, I don't know where they'll go, but, you know, I wouldn't be against throwing in a, a, a new player with Rory Burns and Jason Roy at three. Whichever top three England pick, it, it is a gamble because there's no one out there that you could you know, absolutely guarantee is a rock-solid opening bat. So no Denley for you? Um, Maybe not. I need to see a bit more. No, maybe not. Maybe Jason Roy goes to three. I mean, um, again, over the next two or three weeks, we we will certainly find out. One one thing's for sure, I certainly will go with Jason Roy. I think Rory Burns deserves a little bit more of a crack. You know, I don't think he's he's had enough for us all to kind of really find out about him. Um, And and whether it's a a Denley, a Zach Crawley or a Dominic Sibley, 
Again, I've seen little bits of all of them, but not enough to say absolutely that one should be playing. Um, but whichever top three England do go with, I don't think we're going to be ultimately confident because we haven't seen enough of the players. We've not seen them uh, have consistency in Test match cricket because they haven't played enough. And it's going to be very difficult facing the likes of Stark and Cummins. But I don't see how England can go with any other way than, you know, going with three at the top that potentially haven't got much experience. Let's go back to the, obviously, the one-day team then. Uh, and before we go to the news, uh, Paul, you are aware that, you know, most people think the return of Jason Roy has helped Johnny Bairstow. Michael thinks he's some kind of sports psychologist now looking to take over from uh, from Jeremy Snape in whatever roles Jeremy... I'm a lot cheaper. You're... <laughs> well, to, to be fair, I mean, uh, the, uh, the there is definitely scope for the next couple of days. I'd like to see... Uh, I'd like to see things picked up again because it definitely worked before and I think Michael did a great job with Johnny um, previously and I'd like him to continue. So, uh, Well, so I, let's, let's see what, it, what, what is your plan then because you're well, going go beyond Johnny to, to the... What, just did, to insult... Do they, they all need a little bit of a poke? Of course they do. Everybody does. You know that. Everybody well, needs it in different Farley. ways. Right. So just Jason to clarify, your, your, yeah. your, your psychological role is just to insult 1-11 to 11 in the England team? Yes. Okay, fine. Jason Roy... Stupid accent. Needs to get rid of that. Uh, Johnny Basso, um can he do it on a Thursday in Birmingham when it's really tough? It's easy getting hundreds on a Sunday against Indy. It's easy getting hundreds on a Wednesday against New Zealand and Durham. Can you do it on a Thursday, Johnny, when it's really tough? By the way, I don't like your beard. Uh, Joe Root supports an absolutely atrocious football team. Um, I haven't got much else on Joe Root. He's just too good. But there you go, Joe. Your football team is completely useless. Uh, Owen Morgan, the skipper, uh, prefers racing to cricket. No idea why he's captain. He'd rather beat the races. Uh, ben Stokes, um, awful tattoos. Uh, Josh Butler, far too polite. Too nice. Got to be nastier. Uh, Wokes also, far too polite. Got to be nastier. Uh, Plunkett, oh, Miles too old. Too old. <laughs> Has been. Veteran, getting his bus pass soon. Uh, Rashid, too quiet, never speaks, never heard from him. He's far too quiet. Joffrey Archer, um, far too tall. Um, it needs to be a bit shorter for me, get it a bit skiddier. And Mark Wood, um, he can't write any songs. That song he's written about Liam Plunkett is atrocious. So stick to bowling, Woody. Um, <laughs> leave the songwriting to other people. But also Johnny Bairstow, let's be honest, he's fighting for his test career as well. He shouldn't be in the test team. <laughs> Tuffers and Vaughan's Cricket Show on Five Live. Uh, no Tuffers this week. Paul Farbrace is with us. Uh, Vaughan here as usual. Um, Where you, is Tuffers? I don't know. He's on a one week. He's on a one week on, one week off at yeah, the moment. Where's he going? He's gone holiday. Where does he just disappears? I think he always uses filming question of sport as some kind of fallback because they always seem to be filming it. So you can never check whether they are or whether they're not. Is there about 45 series every yeah. year of question of sport? <laughs> yeah. It was a bit like when we had field in practice at Middlesex. He used to disappear from that as well. He actually hid at Trent Bridge one, one Sunday league game. He hid behind the advertising boards for 15 minutes of a fielding drill. Don Bennett, our coach, was hitting catches. Tuffers dropped two in succession, managed to knock one behind the advertising board, went to get the ball and stayed behind it until he finished the drill and popped his head up after 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, that's true. Hey, Fabio, you're like this as a coach. In, in 2000 in uh, South Africa, my first or 99-2000, Uncle Fletcher used to do it. You, you, you probably do it as well. You get six balls and you, you've got to take 10 high catches on the trot. 
Now, you coaches, you just make it go a little bit further so your legs go and you're laughing. You, know, you can always see the coaches laughing. <laughs> it's lovely. It's Phil lovely. realised that Fletch only had six balls. So the first two, Fletch is like, right, we'll get, get sweat some of that lager out. And Phil, Phil tough no, hits the ball. He, he kind of can't get to the first. And then, so then Phil's blowing because he's, he's desperate for a fag. And he notices and, and he starts getting the ball when he gets in and he's flinging it over Duncan's head. <laughs> Until the last one, the sixth one, just walked straight into that bank at Centurion. <laughs> Duncan looks right, he's got no balls up, and Sophie just walked straight off the pitch. So, and he just walked past the guy and went, oh, try and give me a catch now, and just went straight off into the dressing room, round the back, fagging down. <laughs> um, let's bring it back to the World Cup then. Uh, of the last 20 games that have been played, 16 have been won by the team batting first. So, Earlier on, Michael, you said you don't think it's as simple as win the toss, bat first, win. Why not? Because I think that the pitches will be good, uh, and you've got four good teams. You know, if you looked at the Australian chase against South Africa, um, at Old Trafford, they got within 10. Uh, Kawaja did his hamstring uh, early on, um, so you could argue if he'd have stayed and they'd have had one more batsman, they'd probably got over the line. Um, I, I hope, well, let, let me tell you, I hope it's not the case. I hope it's not just win the toss and win the games for the semis and also the final. The two grounds, I think, that the semi-finals are being, I think you can chase. But at, at Lords, from what I've seen, I think batting for as long as it's a, a nice, clear day, it looks to me like Lords. The pitch is getting a bit slower, you know. And the longer the game goes, it gets harder to hit. So I think batting first at Lords will be a big advantage, particularly in the final. Um, Old Trafford, as we saw in the Australia-South Africa, and that that pitch, it almost looked like it got better. Mm. You know, the Aussies just didn't. Didn't get enough partnerships to get down, and Alex Carey played a, a fantastic scene. He must be yeah, one of the did... players of the tournament, Alex Carey. Yeah, Do he's you a good think? player. Yeah, he's a good player. I mean, he, he looks to me like he's got a, a great mentality. He, he's almost like the Chris Wokes, dead calm. Yeah. You know, he doesn't change. And to so say you need those kind of uh, players in your team. Uh, I do think the semi-final venue, so you'd want to bat first, but I do see a team chase. I mean, you look at India against Sri Lanka. Uh, it was only 270, but they chased it down easy. If you look at the Indian chase against England at, at Edgebaston, they got within 31 without trying. You know, let's be honest, the, those last six or seven overs, they didn't even look like they were going to hit the boundaries. And I do think you can chase down. It's just whether the players have got this psychological kind of uh, brain fade at the minute that they, they can't. I see England have a, a great opportunity of chasing down because they've got so much power. And I can see that from all the teams. But, you know, you still want to bat first as those stats are saying. But I, I don't think it is altogether to win the toss and win the games. No, I agree. I, I think um, I think it's very open. But, you know, all four teams are quite capable of chasing schools down. I think the England team... You know, had they carried on playing, you know, in a slightly hesitant way that I thought they did against Australia and Sri Lanka, I think they would, you know, have been nervous of a chase. I think the last two games have set them up nicely. And, I, you know, they they know in the past they've chased down some big scores. They're very comfortable doing that. I think they've got, you know, a real lot of confidence going in, into these uh, into this semi-final. I don't think they'll be phased by it. The pitches will be excellent. You know, the pitch here at Edgebaston will be a fantastic pitch, as it has been the last two games. The first two were perhaps a tad slow, but the last two have been excellent pitches, and I think you could quite easily... India, you know, the way that they chased down against England, you know, was a bit disappointing at the end, um, but I think they're good pitches and easily be able to chase down. I was at Durham for the England-New Zealand game, and, and the coin went up in the air, and Owen Morgan won it, and obviously said, oh, we'll, we'll have a battle. Well, the whole ground erupted. Yeah. Everyone's in the ground. They're all, yeah. all the fans are giving each other high fives. I'm going, wait a minute. You know, it's not game one yet. You've got to still play some good cricket. But I think because of all those stats and, you know, all the kind of chats around uh, batting first, you'll, you'll see on on Thursday, whoever wins the toss, and I'm sure they will bat first, they'll 
be either a huge roar from the England fans or there'll be an ooh and an ah if Australia win it. But, you know, doing it, I, I don't think you win a World Cup by not having to do it the hard way one one way. You know, be very lucky to win both tosses, bat first and win the World Cup. I think you might have to chase on, on, on one of the occasions. Uh, Matt Smith sent us uh, this email. He says, winning the toss and batting first has been such an advantage at this World Cup. By the way, the email is tougherthanvaughn at bbc.co.uk that it creates a certain unfairness. Over a five-match test or one-day series, it can level itself out. But in a one-off knockout game, it seems that the toss has too much sway in the outcome of the contest. So how about this for an idea? I like emails that, that offer ideas, no matter how daft they are because it just gets you thinking so here's Matt's idea instead of having a toss teams bid for what they want to do first bidding a certain amount of runs whoever bids the most gets the choice of whether to bat or bowl first so let's say England against Australia on Thursday both teams think that batting first is very important Morgan decides to bid 15 runs Aaron Finch decides to bid 20 runs the bids are done in private beforehand so as Finch and Australia have bid the most they then get to bat first but it means that England start their innings at 20 without loss. The amount of the Australia bid for batting first. <laughs> Let's stick to the toss of the coin. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm like not buying all that. Crikey, there's a few lads in England dressing room. They'd be taking paracetamol when that was explained to them in the morning. <laughs> they, they wouldn't be able to cope with that. I think we need to just stick to the toss. It's much easier. I think it's that's a real. I, 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 I agree. The toss is easier. I think that's a really creative idea. I think that's really interesting. Really? Yeah, would maybe. you would you like to see that chapter seriously? No, I'm not saying I'd like to see it necessarily, but 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 in a, in a in an era where games are looking to, where where governing bodies are looking to try different things at different formats, I think that I think that's quite I wouldn't do it in a one day in a world cup, but I think that's quite creative and interesting. I think you should just have to take money out. <laughs> well, no. Big, then you're going down a slight. Then you're going slightly <laughs> down a slightly different. Yeah, I'm not route. sure about that one either. No. <laughs> yeah, just, just take a big bundle of dosh out with you. He's got the most. Empire has to check, and he gets ten percent commission. <laughs> um, they're they're going to be two brilliant pitches. They're, they're two excellent grounds. Two good pitches. Fast outfields. I don't think it's going to make too much difference. But uh, I wouldn't go away from the coin uh, from the coin toss. I have, if, to have to say, if you were uh, if you were in that England dressing room now and build building up to what happened on Thursday where, where when you look at the opposition finally before we move on to India and New Zealand where would you where would you be concerned about Australia where would the danger be well I think that's the that's the big thing and I think the one thing that England have done in the last two games they've gone away from thinking about opposition they've gone to concentrate on themselves and I don't think there'll be too much talk about opposition people will that they know one another they know how people bowl they know how people bat I don't think there'll be too much concern. I think everything that Owen Morgan will be saying over these next couple of days will be just make sure that you're clear on how you're going to play. Make sure you're really clear on the game that you're going to play, your best game, what does it look like, what does it feel like, practice it over the next couple of days and be absolutely clear and don't spend too much time thinking about the opposition. And I think that really works for this England team. They start getting bogged down thinking about the dangers of the opposition um, I don't think that's good for them. You know, I look at Australia, they, they've got dangerous players, Stark and Cummins with the ball in hand, of course, they can get early wickets, but they can also travel. You know, so I'd be kind of getting Jason Roy in the, in the corner, jump, attack Mitchell Stark, because... South we Africa went South the Africa. other day, yeah. Yeah, you, you look at, you know, if you get on a good pitch, he can travel because he goes for that you know, full length, it's generally a half volley, if he gets a little bit of shape, of course it's a danger ball, but if there's not a huge amount of shape and the, your balance is good, you can strike in. 
you know. And I think if you can get the likes of Mitchell Stark just slightly concerned, it, it, can, it can really cause an effect through the Australian team. I watched them throughout the whole winter. And when Stark was got at, you could see that the Aussies were like, oh, wait a minute, where do we go to now? I mean, Cummins is, is a real key because he is, um, again, that constant. You feel that he will always arrive and, and play nicely. He can have an exceptional day, but you never you often see him have a really bad day. You know, Stark can have exceptional days, but he can also have days when he travels a lot. And, you know, that's why I'd be just quietly going around the different personalities in the team and making sure that they're going to be free to play their roles exactly how they have done for four years. But for someone like Jason Roy and Johnny Bell, I'd be just whispering in here, just don't be shy of taking him on. Don't be shy of taking Mitchell's start down. If you get an opportunity, take him, because that can really strike a big dent in the confidence levels of the Australian team. Uh, why is the assumption that it will be India in the final? There, there is so much talk that that you know India have virtually got a buy into this final. So, <laughs> so well, there, there is, isn't there, just this natural <laughs> assumption that India will be at Lords for the final. So, how can how can New Zealand stop that? By batting first, right? You know, getting a, you know, <laughs> even I, though I, it's not crucial. No, I, I do see that as crucial in, in that game of cricket because you know the way that the the Indians are batting. Um, you know, if you give them first use, the pitch at Old Trafford is generally a beauty. Uh, you can't see them not getting three, three fifteen, three twenty, um, unless Trent Bolt has a day out and Lockie Ferguson knocks a few over. But you feel that three twenty will be the score that India would, would certainly get. And you know, three, over three hundred. Not well, it's been changed once in the World Cup. That was Bangladesh against the West Indies at Taunton. So you feel that batting first, particularly for a side that you know on paper from one to eleven, India are better than New Zealand, but. What New Zealand have is everyone believes they're going to lose. You know, everyone has them completely as the underdog. Uh, I know the Australians are thinking themselves as the underdog against England. I'm, I'm not too sure about that. I think that's a bit of kidology coming out of the Australian camp. But certainly New Zealand have got nothing to lose. And when you have players like Kane Williamson, uh, Ross Taylor, you know, Guptill hasn't fired. We know that he has a day in him. Martin Gupta's a tremendous player. He, if he has a, a 20, 30 over burst, you know, that can get you through to a final of a World Cup. And, you know, that's what uh, I'm sure Kane Williamson will be saying to his players. Look, we've got nothing to lose it. But you know what? We're not going to go in with just that mentality. We're going in to absolutely play our best cricket. And I think if New Zealand can play the best cricket, anyone is beatable. You only have to look at England beating India at Edgebast. And we arrived to that Sunday morning in Birmingham and it felt like it was going to be a messy day. And no one really expected England to, to blow India away like they did. And no one's expecting New Zealand to do the same to India tomorrow. Strange things happen in cricket. It, it yeah, they just... won a fantastic semi-final sorry, in the last World Cup. Yeah. You know, they beat South Africa in that semi-final in Auckland. Unbelievable game. I, I think they've actually got an awful lot of power in their middle order. A lot of people who are quite capable. And I think Michael's absolutely right. Guptill's not had his day yet. He's due one. Um, but in the middle order, De Grandhome, Santner, Nisham, they've got people who can finish games. They've obviously Taylor and Williamson outstanding. The only thing that's gone probably slightly against them is the ball hasn't swung as much up front for them as they would normally like to have done. Um, but I think they've got a good balance there, team. I, I think they have a great chance in, in a one-off game like that. I think they've got a great chance. And you're absolutely right. They've got absolutely nothing to lose. And that will be what they'll be talking about these next few days. But as Jeremy Coney told us last week on, on Toughers and Vaughan, though, Paul, they haven't necessarily operated as a collective, i.e. everybody stepping up to the, the plate. They have to. They have had to rely on the brilliance of Williamson, Taylor chipping in every now and then. Lockie Ferguson, who who will be back for the India game after a hamstring problem, ruled him out of the England game. They've had to rely on the individuals rather than everybody mucking in. 
Absolutely, but there's nothing like a World Cup semi-final to focus the mind and get that team on track, is it? I mean, that's you know they've achieved their first goal, which is to get to the semi-final, get to that knockout stage. You know, I, I think, I, and I've seen them a couple of times in this tournament. You know, I honestly think that they're very close to a really big performance. They look like a team. They're always well prepared. They always make the most of everything that they have. That's that's a New Zealand mentality. They've got some high-quality players in there, and, and I think this will be, their their conversations will be about this is an unbelievable opportunity for us. So let's just make sure we do pull together as a team and, and you know an inspirational innings from someone at the top of their top of their order and that's the one thing they've lacked that top of their order they haven't quite had the starts that they'd have liked um, and if tomorrow they have that then fantastic uh, Rohit Sharma uh, Virat Kohli has said today uh, is the top ODI player in the world which Paul when he's hit 500 in a single World Cup is difficult to argue against He's played outstandingly well, hasn't he? Absolutely brilliant. To watch. I, I think he's a fantastic player. I really enjoy watching him. It's been very helpful, though. The opposition have obviously enjoyed watching him that much. They keep dropping him. So uh, <laughs> that, that's been that's been really, really helpful. Um, it, but he has played exceptionally well. And it's not his fault the opposition can't catch. Um, but, uh, you know, that's going to come to an end at some time. And hopefully someone's going to catch him early. And maybe uh, the Kiwis will be hoping for that tomorrow. Virat Kohli's yet to get 100 in this World Cup, Chappers. Mm. I'm just saying that. It may just come at Old Trafford. Uh, and if, if she, well, Coley went on to say, it's an outstanding achievement from Rowett. I hope he gets two more hundreds so that we can win two more games. And he needs just 27, doesn't he, Sharma, to top Tendulkar's record run tally at a World Cup, which was 673 in the 2003 tournament. Well, you're not backing against him, are you? In the form no. that he's in, the way that he's... And, and Michael's right. I mean, he's got every shot. He played a... A straight drive at Edgebaston in the last game, Bangladesh, um, and I was sitting right in the line. It was just the most magnificent shot. It just looked so easy, so effortless, and you know he must be seeing the ball like a football at the moment. He really is playing so well. But his balance, you're absolutely right. When you're balanced and your head still, you, you judge length and you, you can play whatever shot you want, and, and he's just continued to do that. Where are, the, where are the Indian weaknesses then going into the semi-finals? Middle order. You know, they, they generally don't get much use because the top order are so consistent. But if you can get two or three early ones, you know, if, if all of a sudden, you know, one of those catches that have been going to hand but not been taken for Rohit Sharma sticks. Uh, yeah. Virat Kohli, you know, Trent Bolt balls him a beauty early. You know, you're suddenly 20 for two. And then you've got Rishabh Pan, who's just finding his way uh, back into the, the, this team. Uh, MS Dhoni, you know, questioning... You know, how can we question MS Dhoni? But you have to so far with the way that he's batted in this World Cup. He's been a little bit circumspect. Um, will Dennis Kartik play? You know, Hardik Panya is a hitter, so you don't want him coming in too soon, having to think too much about the game other than hitting the ball. Um, so I do think if you get two or three early ones, India can can be got. But, you know, if they get off to a, a good start and a solid start, and they don't risk too much. They just play orthodox cricket for, for 10 or 15 overs, and, and they're so good, and they time the ball so nicely. And if the pitches are good, they're still going to score at five and sixes without taking any undue risk. If, if, if they get the foundation, I, I, I think the game will be done and dusted. New Zealand have to get early wickets. Their seam bowling has been outstanding in this tournament. I, I think their their three frontline seamers have been magnificent. And, you know, you, you know that you can't afford to leave too many at the end to chase against them because they are just such good quality at the end. Bumrah, I, I think he's probably the best at the moment in, in terms of getting the, uh, in the, world. the Yorkers in, his change yeah. of pace. Yeah I, yeah, I love him. I think he's yeah. just brilliant to watch. He must be so difficult to play against. Um, I, I just He just looks so difficult to score against at the end and you, you just can't afford to leave yourself too many against them. Do you reckon coaches will have ever tried to have changed him when he was younger? I hope not. 
I certainly hope not. I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I, what, what you have to look at is anybody who's slightly different, whether it's Malinga, Bumra, whatever it might be in world cricket, their basics are still magnificent. The great yeah. thing about Bumra is that his wrist is magnificent. His wrist is always behind the ball. He's got such a good wrist position. That's how he's able to swing the ball. That's how he's able to get the ball up in the block hole. That's how when he hits the length, he hits it hard and, and generates unbelievable pace and bounce. His wrist position is magnificent. So you wouldn't be saying to any kid, look, there's an action to copy, but you would be saying to a lot of bowlers, even international bowlers, have a look at his wrist. His wrist position is magnificent. India against New Zealand then at Old Trafford tomorrow. Uh, England taking on Australia on Thursday, both of them, of course, on TMS. Now, if England are to win the women's Ashes, they'll have to win every remaining match. They've been whitewashed in the three ODIs. Elise Perry took figures of 7 for 22 at Canterbury yesterday as Australia thrashed England by 194 runs. That's England's second biggest ever ODI defeat. Let's hear from Captain Heather Knight. We just weren't good enough, were we? I think there's a lot of girls in that change room that are hurting and, and I think we haven't, throughout the whole series, I think found a, a way to start very well um, as a top six. And, yeah, something we've got to look at. Obviously, we're going to have to have some very honest uh, conversations and, and try and find a way to turn it around. Um, we'll have a few days off cricket, I think, and then it's all about looking towards that test match. We've got to believe, I guess, that, that there's that character inside, that there's a the skill inside um, to go out and do it. And we've got to make sure we, we don't go inside our shells, we don't become tentative, um, and we back back the, the talent we've got in the squad. Um, it's going to be going to be tough, obviously, um, but if we can win that test match down at Taunton, um, we're right back in the series. Ebony Rainford-Brent was part of our commentary team uh, and is with us now. You said yesterday, Ebony, it looked like England hadn't prepared themselves for how Elise Perry would bowl. Yeah, it was painful to watch, I have to be honest. Um, and you could hear the pain in Heather's voice. From from my perspective, you could see Australia, they, they've been, since losing out in 2017 to the World Cup, they've been ruthless since then, clinical. They've been pretty much winning every ODI they've played on a run. And they came out with clear plans to England. Uh, Amy Jones, for example, they were bowling a hard length into her ribs and three times she was out for less than four and they didn't adapt. And I'm sure you guys have sort of got to grounds before and looked at how teams prepare in the morning. And there were lots of gentle throwdowns. There's lots of nice cricket, but nothing really prepared you for somebody who's going to be bowling 75 miles an hour, shaping the ball. And I just think England, uh, the the players look a little bit mentally... uh, fearful at the moment of this Australian side and it's quite tough to watch I think hearing the emotion from Heather you know from from a lot of us as fans or people who have supported the game for a long time to see them drop to that low is quite uh, quite emotional really for for a lot of people so I suppose the test match is a chance for them to I suppose restore some pride for themselves and for the England side at the moment when, when you say you know it was quite gentle in how they mm. had their throwdowns and warmed up yesterday your insight into what happens in between the ODIs mm then surely then they're trying to recreate how yeah. Elise Perry will be bowling or is that or is that fair not not gentle but is that fairly not quite as intense as certainly say how the Aussies would be preparing for an ODI yeah look the Aussies are every single time you see the Aussies go at it you see them in sessions between you see them on the morning of the game it's like they're trying to replicate exactly what they want to deliver on the pitch and I think you know one thing that was noticeable in all the England dismissals, especially the top five or six, there was poor foot movement. So therefore, in that morning, one thing that was vital in the nets was they got their feet moving before going out to play. 
and and I watched. I, lit, I got there a couple of hours before and just stood above where the practice nets was, and and it was the same sort of mistakes being made prior. So I think that's something they've got to look at is the intensity um, that they're training are because Australia are a, a lot tougher opposition than the West Indies side who will bowl you a lot of gentle volleys. So yeah, look, this side they're much more capable than what we saw. Unfortunately, they haven't got the intensity and the mindset right now to challenge this Australia side. Yeah, but how are they going to turn it round? Well, what, yeah. it's easy saying you know the, you know the preparation mm. you know, that's always an easy one to point out but for, number one have they got good enough players to compete with Australia and if mm. they have how are they going to turn it around that's a very good question if I'm honest with you I'm not sure they're ready at this stage to go toe-to-toe with them Australia do look very good they're bowlers they're batters what I would say though is England are better than being bowled out for 75 mm. um, in, in yesterday's game all it required was you know Tammy Bowman got 100 in the last game and she applied herself I think she's been like the main batter throughout who's looked like uh, she's, she's got as much going therefore it just needs a bit of grit and determination to hang it out especially in the test match uh, let's face it England don't play two day three day four day games so it's going to be more about a mindset and a grit that they want to win therefore that's why I'm saying practice and intensity needs to be there I don't think England need to go away and reinvent the wheel and try and new shots or anything like that between now and next week it's going to be more about intensity mindset and a desire to challenge this Australia side are they, are um, they in a comfort zone and, and, and yeah. by that I mean are they comfortably ahead of everybody else in the world, but comfortably behind Australia? Yeah, and that, look, that's one thing that we said against the West Indies side is, unfortunately, England aren't challenged enough outside of Australia at the moment. They, they dominate, but there's such a gulf now between what we're seeing from Australia and England. Um, and, and the other side is, if we're honest, our domestic structure, which is getting, getting revamped at the moment, there's not enough competitive, hard, intense games regularly enough. So players coming through at times aren't still challenged. So when you do hit a genuine team that are on a roll and they believe and they're, they're ruthless and clinical, we're, we're, we're far behind at the moment. So look, well, it's why, 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 why domestically are, mm. aren't they being challenged enough? Because obviously the funding has increased and there, mm. you know, there is the, the, the Women's T20 League is there and there are domestic franchises and they, there will be domestic 100 franchises as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, so where, why is the competition not there domestically when funding and the teams have got more professional. And you're involved in that as well. Yeah, very much so. So just to break it down and try and keep it as simple as possible, at the moment, the KSL, which is... It's all right, Tuffers isn't here. You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you guys are all over this. Um, The KSL came in a few years ago as a kind of short-term angle to over the next three or the last three years to try and get the best players playing the best players. What you find in women's cricket is there are a number of divisions. Heather Knight, for example, might be playing in a team that's in Division 2 and the standard is miles drop-off from what should be at the top division. So you've got the short window of a nice sort of tournament over four or five weeks. But the county cricket, which goes throughout the year, the T20 50 overs, uh, the general, where a lot of the players are playing, they're not being challenged because not enough of the best players are concentrated in the game. So maybe you get one good bowler, two good opening bowlers, and then it significantly drops off. Mm. So what we are seeing, so next year, I don't, I'm sure you've all heard, there's been a lot of talk about restructuring with the 100 uh, women's centres of excellence. It's all coming, but unfortunately, Australia did this about 10 years ago. Um, and they have such a high calibre of domestic game. All our players that go there say that their domestic structure is miles ahead. It's much tougher. Every single element is 
uh, much more professional and they've been being paid as professionals for a lot longer. You have to realise only the top sort of 20 players in England get paid, whereas Australia have 100 professionals. So you can see the difference in quality and intensity throughout their structure. England are the world champions. Mm. They won the World Cup here two years ago. So why has it been such a drop off since then? And is it that Australia have just got so much better since that last World Cup here? Well, one thing that's worth noting as well is England haven't actually beaten Australia in any sort of crunch knockout matches. You look at the World Cup wins, uh, India, they've been against New Zealand in 2009, uh, both wins there. So what's really interesting is when England face Australia in a crunch or knockout match, we, have, we historically lose over a long period of time. Um, so, you know, the, England got to the final, but they played India and India most probably third in the world and, and a decent gap away. Uh, but if they would have faced Australia, we might have seen something, you know, as tough as what we're watching at the moment. So, um, you know, that, there, there is a golf and England are aware of it. But what they need to make sure they do throughout this series is use their character and every little bit of their technique that they can muster to show the gap is not as far as being bowled out with a, with a difference of nearly 200 runs. Is Mark Robinson under a bit of pressure here? Yeah, I think, I think when you start having losses like this, it opens the door to scrutiny. I, I think he's been fabulous for the women. I think he's brought in a much more professional era. Um, his experience from the men's game has been, it's been vital. But what I'm sure he's aware is if this series continues in the vein it is, it will force questions. So look, I'm a fan of Mark Robinson. I would like to see him continue in his role as he is, but he will be aware the pressure that will be created if England don't bounce back is going to be huge. As, as we say, England's second worst ever defeat. Let's talk to the coach of England's worst ever defeat. We think that was you, Paul, was it? I, I think it was. Yes, I, heard you say that earlier. I, I was actually thinking, I was actually, I've been very quiet on this discussion now. Despite the fact that um, Warwickshire or Birmingham, we actually won the T20 uh, national competition last weekend, which is fantastic for us as a club. But yeah, the um, I think it was in 2000, we lost in Newcastle. Um, by about 198 or 200 runs in an ODI. Well, um, because it, it you brought a... this to our attention, I, I wasn't. I you you made us aware I did, of it. Yes. I wasn't I, throwing you under yeah, a bus. And no, no, I no. do I do have the I do have the scorecard in front of me, uh, which is the Australian women won by 220 runs in that. Was it that many? Uh, yes, yeah, sorry, <laughs> Australia. <laughs> Australia, you will come back on, won't you? I really like having you, know, you it, on. Please it, come it back a, on. Seriously. It was, a, it was the last game. We, we lost that series 4-0. Yeah. We actually lost to New South Wales and New South Wales A as well. And I had a big rallying call at the end of that trip. We went to New Zealand to play five ODIs. And I said, come on, it can't be any worse. And we worked really, really hard in the week in between. We got to New Zealand. We're really confident, really positive. Um, unfortunately, we lost that series 5-0. Oh, um, and, and I was out of a job at the end of it, so uh, it, it was it was a tough series. But you but know, it takes some like, picking up after it. On. Yeah, but it things takes some picking so up, much. though, doesn't it? it? It definitely will, absolutely. But that you know they've got a lot of quality players. You know the the, the games of women's cricket that I've seen recently, the game has moved on so much. It really has. And, you know, Australia definitely have come with a point to prove in this series and, and the England team have been found wanting in these first three games. And it, there is still plenty of 
opportunity to actually do something about it. And the test match is obviously going to be a, you know, a key game for them. The way they start in that and play well, you know, and, and they've got to adapt. And that's something that they just haven't done over the course of these three games. And again, it's just been individual performances um, as opposed to a team performance. Mm. It's been tough for them. Just a, just a quick line here, Ebony, on the bowling mm. as well mm. of Elise Perry and what she did. Outstanding. Do you know, Elise Perry is genuinely one of the greatest players of this modern generation. And and I, I, I go back to 2013. There was a World Cup final in India, which Australia won. And she was bowling on one leg. She had a broken foot or something like that. And to watch her deliver a performance under that pressure, that's talk about mindset and and determination and pure ruthlessness. She was delivering then and she brought that same intensity to the game yesterday. Uh, At no stage did she let up. She's getting more movement, late movement, um, and she's bowling back of length. One thing that you you often don't see enough of in women's cricket is bouncers, sort of real Mm. balls flying through at a length, and she was delivering pretty much everything in that vein. So, you know, I keep harking on it. One of the greatest players of this modern generation and wonderful to watch. Thanks, Ebs. See you soon. Cheers, Cheers guys. Thank you, Paul. Thank Cheers, you. Mate. Please come no back. No problem. Thank you. <laughs> I will. I will. Cheers, Bob. Good. Thank and, you. Cheers. Thank you. And Toughers will be back next week, Michael. So who will are we he? going to be talking? Are you sure? Yeah, I'm told he will be. But I say one week on, one week off. Who will be talking about as World Cup winners? Uh, uh, England. Uh, I said it at the start. I think England, Australia, they're getting themselves in the semi-final. Um, oh, I don't know. I'm getting like to England, I think, but India are going to be very hard to beat in the final. I'm pretty sure they'll make it. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts.